So let's see everybody warm up, get to it. Matthew Matthew John X was first Corinthians, second Corinthians. James is X Leviticus numbers. There we go. Hello, hello. This is James, this is Y, boom. Then we can go. Yeah. Good. That's what I was. Thanks for tuning in to Seeker. Season 1 is the Book of James. We decided to kick off this podcast with the Book of James because no matter what your background or what your experience is with uh, Christianity or the Bible, um, this is a very accessible way to understand what it means to be a Christian. So Daniel and I were talking a little bit on the way to get the coffee, which is really good, by the way. Um, I just like I, I would have gotten you guys something like I plain. I keep waiting for you to start whipping out. Like oh, we're just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it, I would have taken decaf. With a slap in the face. Um, Man, it's okay. It's okay. Do we want to jump to joy versus happiness now? No, we already talked about joy versus happiness last that. episode. We did, but did we did we did we do it? Did we like do we it justice? Because if you've got something, bring it up. No, we, I mean we we just <clears throat> dabbed at it. I don't think we just maybe we just leave. It. I felt like I rambled on and on. Yeah, we talked about that a lot. That was like half of our content last time was joy versus happiness. I don't know. Right. So last time on the podcast, we talked a lot about. Uh, James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, and I'm going to read 2 through 5, just because I thought we might get into that a little bit tonight. Uh, But James chapter 1, verses 2 through 5, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. So last time we did talk quite a bit about uh, joy and what that means to count it all joy when you fall into those various trials and how trials are sort of a universal constant for everyone, everywhere, at every time. Trials happen to people. It's part of living in the world. It's part of being alive. Which is why James says, count it all joy when this happens to you. So it's he's preparing us for life. He's preparing us for those challenges that come along that aren't avoidable, that aren't um, desirable, but at the same time, they're just part of, of dealing with the world and dealing with being alive. And so when James says, uh, the testing of your faith produces patience, and that patience will have its perfect work that you may be perfect. Those are the spiritual dynamics of trials that James wants to point out to us. He says that trials lead to the testing of our faith, which produces patience, and patience in its perfect form makes us perfect and complete so that we don't lack anything, so that we are are able to deal with trials as they come, as we're able to deal with the different curveballs life throws us. So in James, what James is giving us is a spiritual roadmap to understand, to know uh, from verse 3, how the testing of our faith through trials is, is to play out in our lives. 
he's giving us the, the understanding that we can count it all joy by. Uh, so when, when James says um, that, that the knowing is how we count it all joy, this is how we do it. We understand this spiritual dynamic. We understand this, this sort of template for how trials change us and how they develop the Christian character of patience in our lives and how that makes us complete in the sight of God, in God's service, in God's kingdom. So in, uh, in, so in verse number three, and, and I, I really want to like look at this one thing in verse number four, but verse number three, I'm going to piggyback on what you just said, but I think of Romans um, 10, 13. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So, there's there's this there's this element by which we read we understand we know I'm tagging onto your part about knowing so that that's how we know this. I think what is uh, very challenging though is we we get this understanding where we know like we read we know and we even understand. But the beginning of verse number four and I'm in the English Standard it says and let I don't know if yours says allow. So now that we know, we have to, like, let this thing happen. That is very difficult, at least for me. I, I know a lot of things that, that God's asked me to do that Jesus is very happy with, and this is one of those things. This is a tough situation, right? You are in the middle of a, of a trial. You now know, right? It, but now in verse number four, he's saying, now let, let this thing simmer. Like, let this thing bake, let it happen. And so often I think what we want to do when we get in the tough situation is kind of push it away. You know, we, we'd like to get out of it. Um, but that's really not the recipe for maturity. It, it's not the recipe so that we can learn to, quote unquote, be perfect, complete. Um, and it's actually, unfortunately, it's a sign of immaturity, which it seems counter like completely counter to what the world would say, right? You get in a tough situation, get out of it. No, actually James says you're in this tough situation, like hunker down, trust in the Lord, have faith based on verse number three and like be in it, work in it, stay in it. And if you do this, if you're willing to stay in it, be patient, trust the Lord, then what will happen is you will become a different person. You allow that to have its full effect. Ultimately, molding you, shaping you, perfecting you, um, so that you can lack nothing. That was air quotes. They couldn't see that. <laughs> lack nothing. I saw them. Thank you. Yeah. To our viewers. So one thing I was thinking about, too, even backing up a step farther, is out of verse 2, actually verse 3, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. So it's interesting that this is, you know, these trials that that you know James is referring to obviously to his audience they would have been significant trials to us they can be all sorts of levels of trials that we could apply here but what's important though is that this whatever the trial is if this is actually a test of your faith like that's how significant it is that your faith is what has to endure through that trial and so you know just and later on we're going to get to it in, in verse 6 but the opposite of that would be you know to be doubting right so um, so, but the faith is just the core of the matter, right? 
because if you, if you don't have the faith, nothing else is ever going to be built off of it. And, and the trial is there to test your faith, like to rock you to the very core. If you don't make it through the trial, then you don't have the faith. So I just find that to be just so interesting how, um, how pivotal that word is. You know, I'm really glad you brought that up because I don't want to give the impression that I can't find a parking space. I'm being tried. That's not a trial. There has to be that faith component to it. And so when we think about trials, I think we need to be a little bit careful. And maybe I was a little too cavalier in some of the things that I've said, but we do want to make sure that we're recognizing that faith component. That a trial is something that does test our faith. That, like you said, it, it rocks us to our core and it affects how we think about God and our relationship to God. And so, you know, trials do come. They do happen to everybody. But not everything is a trial, necessarily. A, a James chapter 1 type trial. You know, like, right, right. getting a flat tire, that's not testing my faith. It's it's It's... It's deeper and it's more more serious than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this this reminds me, and now I'm looking at the Bible because a minute ago it's Romans ten seventeen, not ten thirteen. But that's because I don't have caffeine. That's what's going to happen. Just saying. Please. So Second Corinthians eleven twenty four. So this is Paul. Um, he says, "Now I, I consider this to be testing." He says, five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes, less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys and danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from the Gentiles, danger in the cities, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, and toil and hardship through many a sleepless night and hunger and thirst, often without food and cold exposure. And apart from other things, there's daily pressure on me of my anxiety from all the churches. Who is weak? And I am weak. And, and like in verse number 27, 28, what he ends by saying, and it depends on your version, that after all those things happen, because we're talking about this component of faith, after all these things happen, which, I mean, th- that would test someone, right? I'm going to be honest, if I got stoned after service... I'm finding somewhere else to worship, right? It's just me. Like I'm too weak for that. Um, but actually, I think I think the stoning he was even referring to, he got stoned outside of a city, left for dead, right? Pops back up and goes back into the same city, departs the next day. That's intense. But after all that, verse number twenty eight, he says, "But my main concern after all these things is the church." You know what I mean? Like serious, grounded faith that he still is able to keep perspective on what's really important. I think it's what I was thinking about when you said that, Jesse, is like, these are these are serious, serious trials. And Paul's got a really good example here, but he's speaking to what James is saying. Like, sit in it, stay in it, be patient in it, have faith in it, you know? Because he's going to say to live is Christ and to die is gain. Like, he is, you know, he's staying in there and wrestling with it a bit. I think that goes back to what you were saying earlier, Julian, about you have to let God work on you. Paul is a great example of that, and this is something that I've been sort of struggling with quite a bit lately, is the idea of letting letting God work in us is is extremely counterintuitive to how we tend to think about, you know, 
structuring our lives. We have, you know, goals and plans. We have uh, all these different things where we tend to want to be in control of our th- of our lives. We want to, you know, we want to be the author of our own destinies. We want to be the the driving force behind whatever we do, and which is so counter to the Bible message, which is to let God change you. Be willing to say, I'm not where I need to be, and the only person who can get me there is God. The only thing that can get me to that spiritual state is God. I can't get there on my own. So when James says, let it happen, and when Paul gives us these great examples of you know, the trials that he went through and the, the perseverance that he showed, the patience that he demonstrated, that's letting that stuff happen. And that's letting God transform your life mm. and letting God take your character and mold it into something usable by him rather than usable by ourselves. So last week you, you brought in, last last time we talked, you, you brought up Romans 12 too. I think it fits super well here. And I think you, you bring in Romans 12, 1, right? Um where he tells them, he begs them in the beginning by the, he said, I beseech you by the tender mercies of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, live or be, present your bodies as a living sacrifice before the Lord. Like in that, there, there's really something to this, to the sacrificial living, obviously way too much that, that we could go into here. But that piece is, he talks about being a living sacrifice. You think about sacrifices, typically, if you're going to sacrifice yourself for somebody, you can jump out in front of a car, boom, get hit once, sober. Yes, sacrifice. But this this idea of living sacrifice, it actually shows that this thing will keep going on. You're willing to keep jumping out in front of the same car and keep getting hit again, boom, again, again, again. And it made me think about what you just said. Like, there there is actually a lot of effort that's going to be involved in this process of letting this thing happen and, and becoming more mature. It's, you know, what James is putting in front of us first two verses, three, four verses is extremely difficult to just let it happen. Let go. You actually said all that a minute ago more eloquently. Just wanted to piggyback. Well, there's just so much ego involved, and there's just so much selfishness involved. And so, when we're transformed by the renewing of our minds, when we let patience have its perfect work, when we allow God to work in us, and we stop fighting that, we let we stop resisting what it is that God has in mind for us. That's when He works the best. That's when he told Paul, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Yeah. Um, and Can I read 12 too? Please loud? do. Yeah. It says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So do, do you think there is, that it, it's very difficult to admit because to even get this to get this ball rolling, you have to admit that that you lack wisdom, or you have to admit that this happens. He because whenever you go into verse number five, if any of you lacks wisdom, we're talking about you know ego and understanding who we are, but admitting to ourselves who we are. 
like to even get into this to this process of change, you have to hold up your hand and say, okay, yeah, I, I do lack wisdom. Otherwise, what we end up doing is we read this and we say, yeah, okay, this is really good for someone else. Mm-hmm. And you get to verse number five and you say, I get you. If they lacked wisdom, why don't I scroll down to something that applies to me, right? But I, it is a problem when we when our, our standard for being wise is we are the standard, like, Right. Big issue. It kind of reminds me of if you ask, um, you know, most people, if they think that they're a good driver, you know. Like, right on. <laughs> most people think that they're a better than average driver, right? Yeah. But we know that's not true. <laughs> not everybody's <laughs> you know. better than average. Right. I mean, I am, but other than that. <laughs> you are extremely safe. <laughs> yeah, I agree. You're absolutely right, though, is that that that's, I want to say that's the most difficult step, but it's it's one that absolutely must happen it's probably the most necessary step is understanding that hey i have to get out of my own way in order to let god direct my steps and to let god i'm i'm the biggest roadblock there right is my whatever's going on in my brain that makes me want to be in control and want to be in charge and be in the driver's seat all right, so verse 6 of James says, But let him ask in faith, not doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. So that kind of ties back in, uh, you know, as in like the exact opposite, obviously, of what it's trying to ask you to do in, you know, verse 3, which is, you know, the testing of your faith is going to produce these things. But if you're doubting, if you don't have that faith, basically you're completely useless. You know, you've Think of, you know, just a wave adrift in the sea, just getting tossed here or there. Um, and whenever I think whenever I think of this whole thing of not doubting, I, I, my, my brain automatically goes to mountain biking, <laughs> which is kind of a funny thing to say. But it, I always think about this example in my mind of when I'm going through, like, a, a sketchy section on my bike, yeah. and it's like a root section or, like, a rock garden or something, and you kind of want to pile on the brakes and be like, oh, I should take this easy. Um, that's when you crash. Like, all of a sudden you doubt your abilities, you know, and you, like, yeah. reservedly go through the whole thing, and then you end up just crashing hard, right? But when you have, like, this confidence, and when you just, like, no, I can do this. I know I can do this, and you just go through it, like, suddenly it works. So when I, when I see this verse about, you know, not doubting, I just can't help but think about, um, you know, we just have to just absolute, just put trust in God and just let it rip because, because of the consequences right here, you know, you're just going to get tossed around and you're not in verse seven for let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable in his ways. Um, so there's nothing but a crash ahead of you if you don't, if you don't really just give that faith all you got. Your, your statements there, like they feed back to verse number four. I think about this because, so in your example, as a mountain biker, you're doing this. When you go through the Rudy section and, and you kind of establish in your head, yeah, I can do this. Like the next time you do it, how do you feel? I mean, maybe you're still a little bit timid, but not like the time before. Right. And, you know, then when you've, you've done it like five times, you're just, you're committed. Like in your head, you don't even think about it because you, you are certain that that it's a done deal. Like, mm-hmm. no worries. Like you don't even mm-hmm. think about going through there. 
Oh yeah, at a certain point, you just figure out what's the fastest thing you can jump at once and get through the whole thing in a yeah. while. You know, like easy. <laughs> um. So, but but I, I ask you a question: If you don't do that section often, or you don't come back to it for a really long time, when you go back, like, how do you feel though? Do you still have that like confident feeling, or do you do you kind of think like have to rethink the thing? And, oh, yeah, you got to kind of start over a bit. Yeah. Work, you got to work back up to it. Yeah, I think it's 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 just a a reminder to us that, um, and I know maybe this is one place we kind of left off in the, the last podcast is that this never stops. Like this process keeps going, and we can really never uh, be satisfied with putting the brakes on it either. Like we we have to really commit to this thing. Like that's definitely committal when you're mountain biking. You just got to commit to it and then be prepared to like keep going. But I think that you, you said something in there and you actually kind of went back to the joy of the whole thing. Like you are excited to do this because you're, you know, your confidence is so high that this becomes enjoyable. Um, and, and I think that's what starts to happen with us as we mature and, and, and we see how faithful the Lord is and how he works. Um, we begin to enjoy this journey a lot. Even when things are difficult and trials occur, it's not, and it's not to say that we're always going to feel like, oh, fantastic, you know, like Paul was like, oh, stone, great. But he did start coming up the mountain, to use your your words, Daniel, till he got to this point where there was joy in this, you know, looking out and seeing what the Lord's capable of and, mm-hmm. and will do for us. I think, I think we start to find some joy in that, a little ease, and, and definitely helps us trust it more. What are you going to read there? Oh, it's just when you were talking about um, asking in faith and the way that you approach that through faith, that rough section that you were talking about, that you just, you, you lean into it and you just, you go and without doubting. Um, I just thought of um, Luke chapter 17 in verse six, when Jesus says, well, starting in verse five, when the apostles say to him, Lord, increase our faith. And Jesus says to them, if verse uh, Luke chapter 17, verse 6, If you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, Be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea, and it would obey you. And I think Jesus' answer to the question, increase our faith, is you don't need more faith. You have enough faith to do great things. You just need to understand what that faith empowers you to do. He's calling us to change our perspective on what we can do with the faith we have. And I think that's pretty critical to remember, especially in this verse about James, is it's not a matter of being this, like, being seen to be this huge, towering, faithful, holy rolling, scripture wear t shirt wearing, you know, Bible guy. It's understanding that the faith that we have already is more than sufficient to do the things God's telling us to do. It's understanding the full, awesome power of faith, rather than thinking it's not a term of, it's not a question of quantity of faith. Do I have enough faith? Do I have enough, you know, am I good enough at my faith to do this? It's whatever faith you have is more than good enough to do this stuff. 
It's a question of quality. Do we understand the quality of faith, the power, the, 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 the Godhead in us that we get through faith and what God can accomplish through us with whatever faith we have? Um, so when we talk about asking in all faith and we talk about practicing that faith to, to attack those challenges and to go in, you know, to lean into those struggles... That's what faith can do for us. And that's what asking in all faith, without doubting, if we had that faith as a, mu- as a mustard seed, but we knew the full extent of what that faith could do, mm-hmm. we wouldn't have any room for doubt. Right. That's a good point. I think that there's just a lot to be said for how much, how much we don't know about how God designed us as human beings, you know, and and the spirit in us to, you know, we just get so stuck in the physical world that we see around us. You know, there's dimensions, you know, depth, you know, to the creation that's all around us that we, we can't really fathom. Um, It's just a matter of if you have the faith to just trust God that it's going to be possible, then you, I mean, (laughs) you let your guard down about what your conceptions are of what you think you're made of and what you're capable of. And, you know, you just really trust to God. And, and the interesting thing about that is that when you do face trials with that mindset, it, it really does, I mean, your trust in God just grows even more because you know that God's going to take you through the trial. And because when, when a bad trial really does happen to you, like the, at a certain point, you feel like you're kind of stripped of everything that matters. You're stripped of like, you don't care anymore about you know, even making your house payment, you don't care about your job, you don't care, you know, you don't care about all these other things. When you're facing a trial that's, you know, like pushing you to the very brink, all that's left, you're kind of laid bare before God. And it's just like, whatever is going to happen here is going to happen through you. And only that, that's all you're left with is faith when you're really faced with trials. And if you don't have the faith, then that's when you really just collapse in on yourself and there's nothing left at that point. But if you can make it through that trial and let that faith persevere, then when you come out of it, it, for sure it has to be joy because you know that God's faithful. You know, He pulled you through it. And at the end of the day, that was the only thing that you had left, you know, that got you through it. And that's just a a powerful to, to know that, you know, God's given us that relationship to trust in Him to get us through those things. Thanks for listening to Seeker. Find us at seekerpodcast.com. Visit our website for more information about the project. Also check out our blog and other information there as well. Have a good one.